Welcome to Know Your Bible, a program presented by the Churches of Christ and devoted to helping you understand God's Word. The Bible is a book inspired by God that contains answers to your questions. The Bible reveals Jesus and explains His sacrifice, contains God's plan for the family, and timeless principles of parenting. Also has the truth about life and death. The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Good morning. Welcome to Know Your Bible. Glad you're back today and ready to study the Bible with us. You may be a first-time viewer, so let me explain what we do. We answer viewers' questions, and that's all we do on this program. Uh, you'll notice a phone number and a website at the uh, bottom of the screen. Use those anytime to get in touch with us and let us know uh, what you wonder about the Bible. Maybe some question you've always had or something you just recently heard. You wondered, is that really in the Bible? Uh, we'll try to find an answer for you. So give us a call or log on. Uh, you tell us what you'd like us to talk about on Know Your Bible. Let me introduce my partner here, Toby Levering. Good morning, Toby. Good morning, Steve. Glad we're ready to go here and all studied up. And uh, we always start with one question for our viewers. So let's get that out there so they can start thinking about it. What was the occupation of Demetrius, a fellow in uh, the New Testament? I'll give you that much of a clue, Demetrius. And uh, he had a unique occupation, and we'll give you the answer to that at the end of the program. See if you and your family know that little bit of Bible information. All right, Toby, I think you drew the first one, so I did. get us going here. The viewer asks, uh, how do you get people to believe in God? I can't understand why people don't won't believe. Well, I, to be fair, I agree with you. I don't always understand that either. It's hard for me to look around the world that we live in with all its beauty and wonder and 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 think that that happened by accident uh, by pure happenstance uh, but some do believe that uh, i don't think they do so wisely uh, this proverb says that the fool says in his heart there is no god uh, because a, a, a reasonable intelligent person can say look at all this something someone had to create that and make that and design it where it works just in such a perfect way. There's an order to the universe and I think one of the very simple ways to do that is to, uh, you know, you say how do you get people to believe in God? I think the key here is you you can't force anyone. Uh, everyone's got free will and even God himself will not force a person to believe. Uh, but I do think there are some ways you can help them. Uh, I think pointing out things like uh, uh, creation, almost anything from the the single cell to uh, the uh, alignment of the stars in the universe and uh, almost anything in between has evidence of order and design and you know it's pretty hard to explain uh, order and design without a designer, without a creator. And so I think that's uh, one of the very simple ways to you can spark up a strike up a conversation uh, just looking at the sunset and say something to the effect of uh, God sure does amazing work, doesn't he? And uh, let that lead into a conversation. But you, uh, of course, understand that people have different reasons. I, I don't presume to have a magic formula that would work every time because people have different stories and backgrounds. And <clears throat> uh, In addition to looking at the created world, I think one thing that's very important to do is pray for them. I believe that's powerful. 
Romans chapter 10, verse 1, the Apostle Paul said, Brother, <clears throat> Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer uh, to God for them is that they may be saved. Now, he's speaking of, of his own brothers, the Jewish people, but I think there's a, a principle here that if you have someone in your life that you would like to know the Lord, like to believe and trust in Him, uh, prayer is something you ought to be doing uh, that you can do and that I believe is powerful. I believe God will lead them to places where you can have an effect. Um, and one other thing you can do, I think, is to be prepared in your own heart and your own mind for how you'll answer when that conversation comes up. First uh, Peter 3.15, the Apostle Peter says, In your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer uh, to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. If you're a believer in, in the Lord and, and you trust in His promises, you ought to have some hope in your life. And I think when you have hope in this hopeless world, uh, people notice that and they'll want to know. Well, tell me how you can have such a positive outlook. Tell me how you can have such peace. Uh, when they ask that question, uh, you should be prepared uh, to, give the, to give an answer uh, for the reason of the hope that you have. And I think that is important. So think about your own story and how you came to faith and what, uh, the, how the Lord has worked in your life and the ways in which He's made a very deep, positive <clears throat> impact. Let me finish by saying don't give up. Never give up. The Lord never gives up on anyone. He's patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Uh, let's look at Luke chapter 19, verse 10. Here Jesus states His mission in this world. He said, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And I believe if you're a follower of Jesus, uh, we ought to be about that mission as well. I appreciate the heart of your question. Pray for them. Prepare an answer. Uh, and always be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have. Alrighty, thank you. Got uh, one asking a question about Paul and John Mark here. Kind of a obscure little story, but I guess our viewer has been reading Acts and stumbled on this and wants to know about it. What could have been so bad that Paul sent John Mark away? Alright, I'm sure some of our viewers know that story and some don't. Uh, so let's review the story first. It's in Acts chapter 13 where it starts. And Paul and Barnabas were on a mission trip. John Mark was with them. Uh, John Mark actually was a cousin of Barnabas. But John Mark was on the trip. And in Acts chapter 13, verse 13, it just says that uh, John left them and returned to Jerusalem. And then chapter 15, we get the rest of the story. Uh, says that later, Paul and Barnabas were planning a second missionary trip. And Barnabas wanted to take John Mark. And Paul said, no, I don't want to take him uh, because he deserted us on the first trip. And then it goes on and says that Paul and Barnabas had a sharp disagreement and they went on two different trips. Paul uh, took Silas with him and Barnabas took John Mark with him and they went two different directions. So that's the full story and that's all we know about it. Uh, John Mark, for some reason, he was young. He probably got homesick, is my guess. But uh, he went back to Jerusalem instead of finishing the missionary trip. And Paul didn't want to be deserted again on a missionary trip, so he didn't want to take John Mark on the second one. Uh, <clears throat> so it wasn't anything so bad that he got uh, sent away or excommunicated somehow. It was just Paul didn't think he would be the best one to go on the mission trip. And uh, these days we 
know a lot more about that uh, a mission team uh, picking a couple of people or some couples or a group of people to go on a mission trip uh, is an important serious consideration they've got to be able to get along and work together and trust each other uh, and we spend a lot of time thinking about what kind of groups to put together to go on mission trips uh, I think that's all it was Paul said no I don't trust him enough to go here and uh, don't want him to go on this trip so <clears throat> that they settled it they disagreed now the good part of the story is that later uh, you read over in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 11 uh, that Paul asked for John Mark to be sent to him uh, to be a helper he said he'll be useful to me uh, so it wasn't something he held against him the rest of his life he just didn't think he fit that mission trip and didn't want to take him. So uh, there's a good lesson in it for us that we can disagree about things uh, and still serve the Lord. Paul and Barnabas settled it by just going two different directions and doing two mission trips. <clears throat> but they handled it. They, they disagreed and they still got along. So uh, interesting story and that's all I think there is to it. He just didn't fit the mission team right then. Okay. Good answer. <laughs> Uh, the next uh, question a viewer asks is, once you are born again, uh, can you lose your salvation? And we get this question fairly frequently because it's a fairly uh, cop, uh, common doctrinal teaching of uh, probably better known as once saved, always saved. And a very comforting doctrine uh, to be sure. And uh, uh, there are different verses that are sort of cherry picked here and there to build a foundation for that doctrine. Uh, how, and I, I would love to believe it. Uh, unfortunately, I, I just can't. There's a lot of other scriptures that seem to indicate that this idea of free will, uh, just as one chooses to believe in Christ and chooses to turn away from sin and chooses to confess Him as Lord and chooses to be baptized and so forth, uh, one can choose to turn away from Christ. In fact, the Bible is full of many stories of people who did. Probably the most infamous one would be Judas. Uh, but John chapter 6, uh, verse 66 says that many who were dis uh, followers of Jesus turned back and no longer followed him. Well, uh, there's other stories like that throughout the New Testament of people who came to Christ and trusted in him and believed in him uh, for different reasons, uh, whatever they were, and decided to turn away. So it comes down to the matter of free will and whether or not you believe um, that is um, uh, if we truly have free will. I believe we do. I believe the Lord gives us that and works through it whatever we decide. Um, so looking at some scriptures, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. He says, Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands... Take heed, lest he fall. Pay attention. Um, now, this is not to say that your salvation can be taken from you or that you, know, you can lose it like you might lose your car keys or wallet or misplace it or forget about it. Uh, what, what we're saying here is a person can lose it by um, choosing to no longer trust in Christ, to no longer uh, walk with Him and trust in Him and... Uh, that certainly can be done, and Paul warns against that. You've got to be careful 
when you think you're standing, you can fall into sin and um, um, be dragged away. But again, all of that is going to come down to the choice that you make. And so God does not desire anyone to perish, uh, but your free will doesn't stop when you become a Christian. And uh, so we must choose each and every day. Discipleship is a daily decision uh, to take up our cross, uh, deny ourselves, and to follow Jesus. I hope that helps you. All righty. Thank you. Let's take just a moment to talk about a good way to study the Bible. Uh, we enjoy studying the Bible for 30 minutes with you and hope you learn a little bit each week. But there's so much more in the Bible that uh, we advocate home Bible study, personal Bible study. And we've got some free materials that we think uh, are really helpful. And we've had thousands of people over the years take us up on this offer and uh, call back or write back and let us know that hey, that, that was good stuff. We learned a lot. So... Uh, it's just to help you learn your Bible, get familiar with your Bible. This first set of lessons you see on the screen, uh, there's eight lessons in it, and it's just a good overview of the Bible. Uh, starts with the first two lessons you can see right there, the Old Testament, the New Testament. And you figure out those two big parts of your Bible and then go on to some other details. Uh, great way to get familiar with the Bible, a really good way to form a regular habit of Bible study, and we've got a lot of students still studying the Bible because they got in that habit. So uh, all you have to do is log on or call that number on your screen, say you'd like that free course, and we'll get it started for you. And it is absolutely free. We even pay the postage. So no cost to you except a little bit of your time and uh, effort and sit down and study the Bible. So give us a call or log on. Let us get it started for you. All right, interesting question about apparel here is wearing a cross around your neck an acknowledgement of being a Christian? Well, let me answer it with a little caveat. I'd say uh, in general it acknowledges that or indicates that. Uh, it's not really proof uh, because anybody can wear a cross, but uh, it's a general indication. Uh, for example, if you see someone with a a certain sports team t-shirt or cap on, you can be pretty sure they're fans of that team. They, they like that team. If you're in Sioux Falls, South Dakota and run into Jim Vanderwoody and he's got a Minnesota Vikings shirt on, uh, you can be pretty sure that he's a Vikings fan. Uh, I wear Wichita State Shocker t-shirts every once in a while or sweatshirts. Uh, I've worn them on trips when I was flying and stuff and People in the airport even walk past me and say, go Shockers. Uh, they assume I'm a Shockers fan. So uh, in general, yes, if you got a cross on, it means you like the cross. You appreciate, uh, acknowledge Christianity in some way. So it, uh, it's a general indication. Now, let me put this disclaimer in at the end. There is one danger to it. Uh, like I said, anybody can wear a cross, so you're not perfectly sure proof that uh, they're a Christian and you don't know how serious a Christian they are. And the reason I say that is there's uh, some things Jesus talked about, about wearing things or dressing a certain way uh, to prove how righteous you are. And especially the Pharisees of his day did that a lot. Uh, let's read the verse first, and then I'll show you what he was talking about. In Matthew chapter 23, 5, he's talking about the Pharisees. And he said, they do all their deeds... 
to be seen by others. That's the key part. They just do it so people will think they're righteous. He said they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. Now, we don't know these days, we don't talk about phylacteries and fringes, but uh, I looked up a picture of an Orthodox Jew uh, and let's put that on the screen and you can see the thing on the guy's forehead is a phylactery. It's a box that they put scriptures in and the bigger one you had, I guess, the more scriptures you had and the more righteous you were. And then you see those fringes on his shawl there and on their robes and how long they were uh, indicated how serious you were about studying the scripture and all that. So Jesus said in his day, uh, the Pharisees did all of that uh, to show people or to convince people how righteous they were. And Jesus said the problem with it is they do it all to be seen by men. Doesn't mean they're righteous. Uh, in fact, they're kind of evil inside, he said. So when you see a cross or a Christian t-shirt or something like that, yeah, you can be pretty sure that person has Christian uh, affiliations of some sort, uh, but it's not really proof about the seriousness of their Christianity. So uh, not a proof, but general indication. Okay. Uh, good thoughts and good answer. <laughs> A viewer asked the question, when Jesus died on the cross, did His blood save both Old Testament and New Testament people? And my answer to that is yes. Uh, Jesus' blood is the only hope of salvation for mankind. And it, it reached uh, before, behind the cross and after the cross. So it was, now of course Jesus had not died under the Old Testament uh, for the Old Testament heroes and the stories that we hear, of course, he wasn't even physically alive. Uh, but that's where the hope of the Old Testament heroes that the um, book of Hebrews speaks about in Hebrews chapter 11 says, By faith. And one part in there says that by faith they looked ahead. Uh, all these, they, they did not uh, see what was coming. They put their hope and their faith and trust, but Jesus wasn't there yet. But they believed there was a Messiah coming. They believed uh, that, that He would be uh, their salvation. Uh, Psalm chapter 2, verse 12 says, Blessed are those who take all those who take refuge in Him. And so they put their faith and trust in the Lord, and uh, it speaks to us as well. All sinners are saved by, only by the grace uh, that comes through the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, there is no other way uh, to the Lord other than through Christ. Uh, a couple of verses in the New Testament, Ephesians speaks strongly of this. Uh, Ephesians 2, 4, and 5, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. It is by grace you have been saved. Uh, then Ephesians chapter 2, 14 and following, For He Himself is our peace. He has made us both one and broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that He might create in Himself one new man in place of the two and so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross. So, um, the, the uh, 
understanding is that that was the only way to the Lord was through the cross and through the blood uh, that He shed it for us to atone for our sins. Of course, in the Old Testament system, they made sacrifices under the Mosaical law. There were certain sacrifices required. But that blood, the blood of bulls and goats, the writer of Hebrews is very clear, did not take away the sins. It merely um, carried it forward and allowed them not to be destroyed. But it, but it was looking for a perfect sacrifice. And uh, so the blood of bulls and goats... Um, substituted for the time, but it didn't didn't do what the blood of Christ ultimately did. Uh, the answer is yes, it did save all people, and it saved them by their faith and trust in the Lord. Uh, heroes of faith from Abraham and David uh, all the way uh, up uh, through the Old Testament had to have the same trust that we do. Let's look at one final verse from Ephesians <coughs> chapter 1. In Him we have the redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. I hope that helps. Alrighty. Dreamy question here. Viewer wants to know, does God still communicate to us through dreams? Uh, well, we don't understand dreams very well. We don't understand the human mind very well. So we don't know how dreams work for sure. Uh, God created the mind and he can do with it as he wills, so uh, I won't say he can't communicate through us through the dreams. Uh, I will show you one verse that indicates uh, he's not speaking to us through dreams like he used to speak to people through dreams. So maybe that'll help. Let's look at Hebrews chapter one, verses one and two. The writer of Hebrews says this: Long ago, at many times and in many ways. That's important because in the Old Testament. God spoke to people in visions and dreams and signs and all sorts of things. Uh, and that's what the writer says. He says, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Uh, but in these days, He's spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. So the writer says that, yeah, God used to give revelations to people, give uh, information to people, give direction to people in lots of ways. Uh, but now he speaks through his son. Jesus came and said, here's the way things are. He taught his gospel message. Uh, and then the authors of the New Testament wrote, us, wrote it down for us. Uh, so that's what we've got. The Holy Spirit once and for all uh, delivered the faith, the Bible says. So that's how we learn what God's will is today. Now, that tells us that he's not giving us any new revelation. Jesus gave it all to us. Uh, but a dream, or, or you may wake up in the morning and you, something you've been wondering about's just become clear to you. Uh, or you may have an insight to the chapter you were reading last night or something. Uh, when that happens, you can say, well, God gave me the answer. And I can't prove you wrong, and you can't prove that that's where it came from. Uh, we don't know how the mind works, but you got the answer somehow. Uh, uh, the only thing to be wary about here, I think, uh, if you want to think that God clarified that for you, that's quite possible, I guess. But the thing to be worried about is people that say, God told me 
God told me specifically this is what he wants done or gave me this new doctrine or something. You really got to be careful there. Uh, but when somebody on TV tells you that God told me uh, to build this new church or hotel or amusement park, which all has happened in the past, uh, they usually follow that up by saying God told me to build this and God also told me that you were going to pay for it. So you got to be a little careful about people that get direct instructions from God in that way. Uh, no, God doesn't give us new information, doesn't give us revelation, doesn't give us new doctrine through dreams. Uh, we might get some clarity or insight to something or uh, feel like we got an answer to prayer. And maybe God did that through our mind somehow. But uh, let's be careful what we attribute to God, I guess. Take this moment and invite to visit a Church of Christ near you. Uh, we're kept on the air by Churches of Christ in your area, and we like to thank some of them each week. Today, let me talk about the Southeastern Church of Christ up in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. A great bunch of folks up there uh, represent Know Your Bible in that area and take care of the uh, study courses and some other things, so we appreciate them. They also help keep us on the air. Uh, by helping pay for the airtime up there, and we appreciate that. Uh, if you live in that area, drop in and visit them sometime. Uh, tell them you heard about them on Know Everybody. Know your Bible. Okay, we've got a where is the found question. A viewer asks, uh, where is the quote, I won't drink any more wine until God comes again? Well, you're not going to find that exact quote in the Bible. I believe you're referring to when Jesus was speaking to his disciples, when he instituted <clears throat> the Lord's Supper. As he, actually, at that time, he was partaking of the Passover. Uh, this is found in the Gospel accounts. We'll look at one of them in Matthew chapter 26, verse 26 and following. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and saying, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the many, uh, for many, for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. So I think that's the verse you're referring to. You'll find it in Mark and Luke as well, but uh, that's the closest I could find to that quote. All righty. Squeeze one more in here. Jesus, the uh, viewer wants to know, why did Jesus say, why have you forsaken me when he knew he was going to die? Well, interesting question. Jesus did know the purpose of the cross. He understood the whole thing. He didn't want to go through with it, but he had talked to God the night before and told him, I'll do your will. Uh, if that's the only way to handle this sin problem, I'll do it. Uh, but then on the cross, he did say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Uh, my explanation for that, best I can think through it, uh, is although he understood what was going to happen, uh, the reality of it happening was so much worse, so much more awful than anybody could imagine uh, that when it came time for that, uh, it was just beyond his comprehension that the Father had actually forsaken him, turned his back on him because he became sin for us. All right, let's make sure we get our trivia question answered today. It was, what was the occupation of Demetrius? Now, old Demetrius was a silversmith and caused a little trouble for the missionaries in his town. Uh, all the silversmiths did because the idol business dried up when they started talking about God. 
All right, we're out of time for questions, but we're going to come back next week and answer some more of them for you, and we hope you come back then. Till then, you have a great week. Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area. Churches of Christ are non-denominational, and each congregation is an independent group of Christians seeking to do God's will. Our goal is simple New Testament Christianity. We follow the Bible as our only guide. Contact us with any questions, and we encourage you to visit a Church of Christ near you.